We're going to be back in the book of 1 Timothy. I think I finished the second chapter last time, didn't I? So we're going to go to chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. And this is the first of the three pastoral books of Paul, or letters of Paul. Now chapter 3, we have the qualifications of pastors and deacons, and then some other stuff too. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the a church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacons. Now notice, must is in italics. Uh, but the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, hold them, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these first also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so, must there, those two words are in italics. Uh, so uh, wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Thus is the third chapter of the letter of 1 Timothy. <clears throat> now, Paul simply just saying it's a true saying. Uh, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. And that's truly, truly, I say unto thee. Nothing wrong with saying this is the truth. Doesn't mean something else is not, but you want to un underscore this, that this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop. Now, that word for desire in the Greek is epithumia, which is the standard word for desire. And if a man desires the office of a bishop. And I think from that, uh, I, you can see that if God calls a man, he puts that desire in there. I don't think he's talking about just, somebody, well, I think I'm going to do that. 
I don't think is that. I think he puts that desire in there. So, but if a man desires the office of a bishop, then it would follow that you would get the qualifications and try to make sure that you meet those qualifications. And so that's not something you can do overnight. All right. But if he desires the office of a bishop. Now again, there's that word bishop. In the Greek, that's episkopos. That's the word that we get episcopal from. And uh, that's the method that they govern the Episcopal churches, the Church of England. But that's where the word comes from. But the bishop is the overseer. Take the oversight, Paul said. Well, somebody's got to be in charge. And the pastor is the one. But he's a bishop, he's a pastor, and he's an elder. He's all three. All three are legitimate terms. But this word bishop has been so misused, so perverted by the religious world, that if you say, I'm Bishop Jerry Gum, I am, they think you're talking about something out of the Catholic Church because they've stolen these words and, and perverted them. Uh, and so we don't use the term bishop unless we come here. But it is a legitimate term. Elder is a legitimate term, and pastor is a legitimate term. The one that's not, that's mostly used, is reverend. That's holy and reverend is his name, one time, refers to God. Amen. Never refers to a man. And yet they jump on those terms, and in the book of Job it's called flattering titles. People love to have those flattering titles. Titles. One time I went to preach for one of the black brethren at some kind of conference or something they was having. And he's going to put it in the newspaper. Well, I smelled a rat. So I called up the Herald Leader in the religion department. And I asked him, I said, have you got a copy there from Mount Calvary Baptist Church about a meeting? Yes, I do. I said, you got Jerry Gum down there? Yes. I said, what all does it say about him? Reverend Doctor. <laughs> I said, let me tell you what. You're going to have troubles for me if you print that. I'm not reverend. Only God is reverend. And I don't have a doctor's degree. I'm not a doctor. You may call me pastor or brother, but not reverend doctor. Well, it came out, and they had brother, brother Jerry Gunn there. But man, he had... He has preached. I was really impressed with me. <laughs> I just wondered who he was talking about. I'd been every place and done everything. 
you know? And really, what I've done, it doesn't, doesn't get big fanfare. It just, we just go do it, you know? Anyway, but he didn't put that, but I knew he was going to do it. I just knew he'd do it. Uh, they won't, I mean, I've taught them. I've even preached that in his church. Uh, but it doesn't work, doesn't. Anyway, but it desires a good work. And that lets you know that to be a pastor, it is a work. Amen. Now, it's not a work in the sense that uh, you'd call it like another job. It is a calling. And it is something you do because God called you and you want to do it. Uh, but it is a work. They used to tell jokes about the kids, preacher's kids. Uh, and Johnny, where does your father work? My father doesn't work. He's a, preacher, he's a pastor. And those kinds of jokes. Well, a man that works, that does, that does the job of a pastor is very busy. Amen. Very busy. Anyway, a bishop then, now we're talking about desiring this good work, must be blameless. That doesn't mean he's got to be perfect, but he can't have any outstanding charges against him. The husband of one wife, and people make jokes about it and get arguing over this, it means one at a time. It is a prohibition against polygamy. Polygamy was a common thing back then. God never ordained or uh, sanctioned polygamy. He tolerated it, but it wasn't that way from the beginning. So, these people were born and raised in the right, in the middle of paganism. And that was a common thing. Well, we don't know why to do that. Well, now, wait a minute. Polygamy is practiced today. It's not supposed to be. But you know they've got lobbies in Congress right now to make it legal again. Two men can get married. Two women can get married. They're saying, well, why, why not I call them polyamorous relationships? One man and several women. Or I guess one woman and several men. I don't know. But it will it will come eventually. Yeah. Well, now what if what if what if you went started a mission in Utah? That's the headquarters of Mormons, and they all were polygamous. I mean, that's why they call Brigham Young Brigham Young. It was, it was his name. Uh, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, they all had multiple wives. And all of those splinter groups of the Mormons, all, they all practice it. Uh, you have exposés on TV all the time about it. 
So <clears throat> what if I had a, what if I was out in Utah starting a mission out there and had some people come in there and what do you do about that? They got three wives. Now what do you do about that? Well, one thing you don't ordain them to be a pastor. Uh, I don't know how you'd handle that, but it'd be be a problem. So that's what he's talking about. And all of the language people that are Robertson and all of them, they all agree one at a time is what this means. Uh, does this mean that a pastor has to be married? I don't think so, but some have taken that to mean that, that you have to be married. Uh, I think a pastor is much better to be married, much better off to be married because of all of the problems that can develop when you're not married. Uh, so, you must be blameless, a husband of one wife, vigilant. He can't be neglectful. If you set a, a vigil, when you're, in, when you're in battle, you have all night vigils. You watch, sit watches all night. I don't know whether you do two hours or four hours. We had them four hours board ship. But you have to, it's a vigil. And you, you get used to that in the military. That means you've got to stay awake and watch. Well, a pastor can't be neglectful. I've recently heard, heard of people that brother so-and-so married them 30 years ago. And they went to get a copy of their marriage license, and they couldn't find one. The preacher that married them didn't send it in. So all those years, if anything happened, they're not married before the law. Well, when I perform a marriage, a wedding, I get the license. I take it. I don't leave it with anybody else. I take it. I get it all filled out before the wedding. After the wedding, when everybody's doing the reception and all that stuff, I get it. I get the, the parties to sign it. I give them their copy. I put it in that, back in that envelope. I seal it up. I put stamps on it. And I get it in the mailbox then. I don't wait till tomorrow to get it in the mailbox. As far as I know, I've never done that to anybody. But I think that's kind of part of being vigilant, too. Watching, being careful, watching things, looking out. Sober, that's not telling me I can't be a drunk. Sober thinking. When you're, when you're drunk, you don't think very much. You don't have the ability to think a lot. So sober would be sound thinking. And there's preachers that are just, some are just, they're just not. But that's what you need to be. Of good behavior. We always say, behave yourself, behave yourself. Well, you ought not to have to tell that to a pastor. He's of good behavior. Given to hospitality. That's a way of life. Beverly and I were talking about one that had some kind of a meal and 
turn people away from it because they're not they weren't the the ones I invited to I mean at the church. How do you tell people they can't come and eat with you? There's no way in the world I could do that. But they come in off the street, we feed them. You know. Anyway, given to hospitality. And that means me and my wife, our house is hospitable. And a church needs to follow my leadership. And I think we do. Amen. Apt to teach. Well, now, apt, that's just a short word for aptitude. With an aptitude to teach, a pastor is ultimately a teacher. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 4, Paul said, pastors, teachers. And that's what our ministry is. It is a teaching ministry. Have you all observed and the time that you've observed me, am I apt to teach? Amen. Name it, we'll go do it. That's why I've traveled all over teaching the trail of blood. I don't know that I've been made many trips that I wasn't preaching, teaching somewhere. Anyway, so apt to teach. And I'm not bragging about that, but I think the Lord put that in me. That's what I do. That's what I'm still doing. Uh, as, as my wife, most of the conversations, telephone conversations I have, what are we talking about? Scripture? Doctrine? I'm teaching. I don't, that's, that's what I'm about. Somebody said, I don't want to bother you. You can't bother me. If you're talking to me about the Scriptures, you can't bother me. You can't interrupt me. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm here for. Not given to wine. I don't think there's any question there. We'll have a, a question when we get to verse 8. There's no question about this. You don't find any problem with any of the commentaries on, on verse 3. Not given to wine means what it says. Now, no striker. Now, that doesn't mean I can't be a union member. That means that kind of striker. Uh, not greedy, greedy of filthy lucre. That's money. Not greedy of filthy lucre. I've known preachers that uh, money is uppermost on their minds. Somehow, sometimes that's 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 how they determine whether the Lord's in the Lord's calling them to go somewhere. It depends on how much they pay. If they pay enough, the Lord's calling. <laughs> but that's not what he's supposed to be about. Showed that little thing I put up on my Facebook. I don't know who put it there, but from Spurgeon. He said something about it. If they don't come to hear the gospel, don't try to get them there by any other means. Amen. Uh, I think we practice that. Not greedy of filthy lucre. I've had them say, preacher, if you'd handle it better, you'd got a raise. Uh, you know where you take that money? I don't want your stinking money. I'm not here for your stinking money. Uh, but patient. Lord, give me patience and hurry up, please. <laughs> well, look over James, the first chapter real quick.
Verse 3, knowing this, that my brethren, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into divers, temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, tribulation worketh patience. All right. But be careful about praying for patience because the, Lord, <laughs> the Lord's life will give it to you. <laughs> and no tell them what will bring it. So, but we need to have patience. Man can't be a pastor if he's not patient. There's lots of things. Well, you can go into a church, and uh, the church hadn't been taught much. Well, you need to teach that church. But now I've seen brethren that go into church that have bad problems and they've been there five years and they ain't started on it yet. Now I think they're, they're chicken. They're cowards. They're not getting into it. You've got to have patience, but then again, you've got to hear a little there, a little precept upon precept, line upon line. You've got to start teaching for example, when I came here, the church was supporting a mission board that had a self-perpetuating board. In other words, the churches weren't running individual preachers that they chose who was going to be on the board. They directed the missionaries. That's still going right now. But I didn't believe in that. I believed in church Authority. Amen. Well, I didn't just jump in railing at that. But here a little and there a little, I began to teach. And then one time after I'd been teaching for a little while, I preached a message. I said, my message is entitled, The Only Scriptural Boards in the Bible. And those were the boards that broke up from that shipwreck and Paul. And got he and all of them back to shore again. And those are the only boards that the scripture recognizes. Not some self-perpetuating mission board. And I, and I mean that. Well, eventually, wasn't any problem. We backed out of it. Uh, so, uh, you, you got to have patience. Uh, we had other things going on here. Well... Not a brawler. I've never done that. But I've had people come and about challenge me for it. Right here on this lot I did. Not covetous. Well, of course, covetousness, which is idolatry. That's, that's lusting after stuff that doesn't belong to me. And uh, not covetous. Oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I'm glad for any of you all to prosper. I'm thankful for you. I want you to be faithful with your money. And I think most of you are. But I'm not envious of what you've got. I'm satisfied with what I've got. I can't think 
You say, what's on your bucket list? Nothing. <laughs> I hope if the Lord spares us, I keep going what we got going as long as possible. Amen. I'm not looking to branch out and to get nothing else. So what do you want? Nothing. I'm thankful having food and raiment. I am content. Uh, now, I'm thankful I'm still able to do what I'm doing. Amen. A lot of people in my situation have, have had to quit it for a long time because they didn't have the mind power to do it. And I don't care what my physical body shapes in. I'm still able to do what I'm doing, and I thank God for that every day. <clears throat> now, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now, I don't know whether that includes dogs or not. I've got one that's not really in to subjection. She pretty much does what she wants to, goes where she wants to, sleeps with who she wants to. I'm just being funny. But anyway, well, if, if the pastor's got kids that are wild and they're not, they're not controlled, he's not a fit pastor. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to do everything perfectly. And when they're out of from under his control, they're out from under your control. You can't help what your children You can't help what your children do out from under your control, brother. You can't really help it if they're under your control. It's just you raise them right. And if you've got a, a, a husband and a wife that are working together with their kids, they're going to be under control. You can't have fighting between the husband and wife and have the children under control. They won't, it, just, it just won't work. And you definitely can't have a wife that is teaching the children to rebel against the daddy. That won't work. Believe me, I know it won't work. And vice versa. We had a woman came here, had a couple little kids, and the youngest one, she'd bring him to church with her, but her husband, she'd take the oldest one and say, now you want to go up there to church with her? Or you won't go go hunting with me. Now, where do you think that boy wanted wanted to go? He went hunting. They're both dead now, and I think they both died and went to hell. Uh, you can't have that kind of conflict with a husband and wife. If you've got a child or children, you've got to raise them. You've got to be agreed on them. And you've got to uphold each other's authority. Amen. So, anyway, because if a man, verse 5, know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? You've got to be able to get things and control things. And I'm not talking about being a dictator. I'm talking about running things. And you've got to have your house under control. I've been in some that look like they're very much under control to me. Anyway, uh, verse 6, not a novice, one newly learned. Now some men, boys, men, learn much quicker than others. 
But one newly learned is one that's just learned and hasn't even had time to temper it and to assimilate it all. And he said, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Being, well, pride goeth before destruction, the Holy Spirit before a fall. And uh, a young man that's just learned, you can see many times, I've seen it many times, uh, and it just shouldn't have been ordained. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, without the church. It does matter what people think of you. You can't show yourself to be a idiot outside and then expect people to come in and follow you as a pastor. It just doesn't work. And that word gets out on you. Uh, your, your reputation precedes you. So it does matter how you behave yourself, not only amongst, uh, in front of the church, but on the outside also. Moreover, he must have a good report from them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the trap of the devil, the condemnation and the trap of the devil. Now, is, is the devil working to try to bring down every God-called minister? Absolutely. He's first and foremost working on them. Well, how can we defeat him? We must walk in the word of God by the Holy Spirit and watch everything that we do. Amen. I remember my poor mother. She liked to have a hissy fit. The first time I wore a colored shirt instead of a white shirt. I had a tie with it. That just was a no-no. She didn't think I was supposed to do that. <laughs> Must she sweetheart. But she really was just absolutely, couldn't believe that I had a colored shirt on. I think I'd gone down there after service. Well, she wasn't, she didn't start off being a member out here. My mother didn't join this church because I was here. She joined this church because the church she was in was practicing heresy and she could no longer stomach it and she came out here because she knew what she'd get out here. Then she spent the last years of her life, her and my dad both, uh, right here and I was thankful to have them. And they were outstanding church members. My mother was especially. Anyway, <clears throat> so that's what the pastor, the bishop, that's his qualification. Now, Likewise, the deacons, now diakonos, a servant. In many, many churches, most Southern Baptist churches and a bunch of the big independent churches, the board of deacons runs the church. Everybody gives a count to the board of deacons. Down the road here, Actually, it was the church that this one split out of back in 1949. Uh, I'll think of the, of the name of it in a minute. Durban Memorial. 
Well, the pastor there knew me. I, mean, I knew him. He, uh, and it was Southern Baptist. But he called me up one day and said, Brother Gunn, he's dead now. But he said, uh, I'd like to invite you and your ordained men to, to a deacon ordination at our church. I said, well, how many are you going to ordain? I think he said 35. I said, brother, I don't mean to offend you, but there ain't 35 qualified deacons in the whole city of Lexington, let alone in your church. You ain't got many more than I do. Well, needless to say, he didn't invite me to nothing else. But I told him the truth, didn't I? No, I didn't attend to it. But you know what he was doing? He was, he was feathering his nest. He was getting all the, all the ones that had some money and giving them a, like a Kentucky colonel. That's what, you know, an honorary thing. Deacon at such so, so church. Oh, yeah, well, well, we're going to vote whether the pastor gets a raise or not. Oh, yeah, we all got to do that. Oh, yeah. So the deacons voted to give the pastor a raise. So the church approved it of it because the deacons voted for it. That's how they do it. That's exactly. But that, the word diakonos does not mean that. It means a servant. I think Jesus even used that word about himself. Anyway, the deacons must be grave. Well, that's like the same thing as sober thinking. Grave, serious thinking. Not two-tongued. Well, I'll tell you what now, I've seen it through the years. Somebody that'll tell me something and then go out and tell somebody else the opposite. That's two tongues. And you know what that'll do? That can destroy a church. Double tongued, especially somebody who's got a position like that that he's been ordained as a deacon because people look to him. So, not double-tongued. Now, here's what I said we'd have a little question about. Not given to much wine. Does that mean that he can drink some wine, just not a lot of it? Well, most of the commentaries completely avoid it. They don't say a thing about it. And the few that do kind of say, well, just not a lot of, not a lot of drinking. Uh, that word for given to means... Parainos, sitting alongside the wine, just the wine bibber. But now look, look at, at Acts 6, which is the first mention of deacons in the New Testament church. And in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Obviously, there's Greeks in there and Jews in there. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Well, the Jews getting first, getting the best treatment. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, we're talking about deacons, aren't we? Yeah. Serve tables, okay. 
Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you, seven men of honest report. Now, you know how big that church at Jerusalem had gotten? Thousands. Seven, not 35, <laughs> seven. Uh, men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. That means they're led by the Holy Spirit, led by the Word. And wisdom, whom we may appoint over, our, over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen and the, and the others there, whom they set before the apostles, verse 6. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So they did it right, and, and the Lord blessed it. All right. Then, we, then I want you to look at Romans 14 real quick. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, or food, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that con condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth, and he that doubteth is damned if he eat. Because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now you keep that in mind, whatever you want to do with that verse 8 in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Keep that part in mind, and then remember your church covenant. We will abstain from alcoholic beverages. So, whatever you think about that, if you see me... Or one of our deacons in the liquor store purchasing a bottle of wine. What would you say about that? Would you think anything about it? Be honest. Sure. Who wouldn't think a thing about it? That's just normal business. Not a one of us. Not a one of us. Well, anybody, would anybody ever raised... In a home with a drunk. I was. You don't know what it's like. To be raised in a home. Where there's a drunk. Very. Thank God for a mother. But very, very, very. Traumatic to kids. It made me see alcohol and what it is and what it does. So, well, I can handle it. No, you can't. Ain't nobody can handle it. Doesn't, doesn't the proverb say it? The last it bites like an adder. I haven't, I haven't taken a drink of an alcoholic beverage 
since January of 1965. Now, how long was that ago? <laughs> 58 years. And I left most of it sitting on the counter. I went into, after work, I went into High on Rose. It was a beer joint. And I was, after work, came by there and said, I have never gone into a beer joint and ordered up a beer. I'm going to do it. So I stopped. Went. It wasn't too. It wasn't one way then. Went in there and parked behind it. Walked in there. There was a couple of people in there. One behind the bar, big long bar. I didn't know anybody there, and I got up, set the bar, and said, "What? What do you have?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." I saw an advertising thing said, "Miller High Life, the champagne a bottle beer." I said, "Give me one of them." He brought it to me. I took a couple of sips of it. I don't like it. I said, what am I doing this for? I don't need this. I ain't even enjoying this at all. I said, paid him, went on left, left sitting on the bar. And that was 1965, January. Anyway, I had missed the thing back. Not a thing. I don't have I don't have uh, cirrhosis of the liver. You know, I guess people can get it, but they don't drink. But you know, generally, that's how what happens. Well, you don't need it. You say, well, what if, what if it really was important that I don't eat steak in front of somebody? Then don't eat steak in front of them. Destroy not the work of God for meat for food. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but but joy and peace in the in the Holy Ghost. So now, not greedy or filthy lucre. The deacons got to be the same way. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. What it says of the of the pastor, not a novice, but the deacon is not to. He's to hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. He's really supposed to know what the doctrine's all about. Amen. That's holding the mystery of the faith. It's not a mystery. It's here. But everybody, he's to be able to, to, to work with people and understands what the Bible's all about. And look what Stephen did. He was a deacon. Look what he did. So, anyway... Do deacons have to preach? No, but they got to hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. That means they can't be hypocritical about it. Yeah, we was just talking about that. One dear old fire chief, well known by all, was a member of Parkway Baptist Church. I believe he was a deacon. He shouldn't have been no deacon. Shouldn't even been a member of a church. Anyway, let these also first be proved. 
That means they've got the deep. They got a deep before they called a deacon. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Now, even so, now that must there is in, in italics. If you read this from the literal Greek, even so women. You see the word gune is the Greek word for woman. And that's the word that's used for wives and for women. But it's wife by context. So it's very debatable that he's even talking about deacons' wives here. What I think he's talking about is women deacons. Whether they were ordained or not is another issue. But think about this. They're to work, these deacons are to work with the congregation, people that need help, and the widows. <clears throat> a man by himself Going into a woman's home can get in trouble post-haste, immediately. But if you've got women that are appointed by the church, they go and take care of the women. Does that sound pretty reasonable? Brother Walker used to preach us three things the preacher's got to watch. Laziness. Money, bad debts, and women. And it hadn't changed a bit. Your ministry can be destroyed by any one of those. So, well, women like to talk to the pastor. Well, I can talk to them. We've got phones. You know, I can talk to them. But a deacon having to go into somebody's home and she's there by herself, if she's old, it wouldn't make much difference. But, uh, but if she's not old, then what do you do? Oh, I saw him going in there. Now you got word going. Now you got rumors going. So I think that's what it was. Large congregation and these women were on call to work with these Deacons, these men deacons. Anyway, I think Paul even talks about it further, 1 Corinthians 16. I don't have time to turn there. But anyway, let grave not slanders, uh, she devils, diabolos is Greek for devil, and that means a slanderer. What, is, what does Satan do? He slanders our brethren. Revelation. Sober in their thinking. Faithful in all things. I mean that means attendance. It means all things of the church. They're dependable. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And the same thing as the pastor. One at a time. Ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree. It looks to me like the Lord rewards that faithful service. And great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. That means boldness out there talking to people. 
These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. How to behave? Well, look what we got in chapter 2. Look what we got in chapter 3. That's behaving in the house of God. Conducting the business of the house of God, which is the assembly of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. A pillar is what holds up the building. Ground is where it's spread. We, we had grinders when I was in boot camp. We marched on five-acre blacktop grinders, we called them. Do you call them grinders? We call them grinders. Navy does that, see. You grind on those things, but <laughs> that's what you do. But it was the ground, the marching ground, the training ground, and the church upholds the truth, stands firm with it, and then is the ground of the truth. If you can't preach every verse of the word of God in a church, you better get busy and do something with that church or get away from it. And there are more churches for this. Oh, you can't preach all that now. Oh, yeah. I've had people, oh, I wish I could preach like you, Brother Gunn, but I, I can't do it in my church. Really? Oh, they wouldn't take it. I said, you better get started getting them to take it. Or that church may need to be split up. You say, oh, what, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I think the work of the Lord is primary, Amen. number one. Anyway. And without controversy, I'm going to quit with, I'll talk about this again next week. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. What a doctrinal statement.